Yo, D. I hate to say this. Live I really from Southern hate to say California. This, I do this not think Jim that you're show. going to enjoy this show today. Then again, I don't think you're going to enjoy much of anything today, right? You're not going to enjoy anything for a long, long time. Am I right? You may never enjoy anything ever again. Am I right about that? And if not, I can't blame you. Because even for the Lions, that was a shockingly Lions way for the best Lions season ever to go right up in flames. Just when you thought life could not be any more cruel for Lions fan, the Lions find the most excruciating possible way to blow arguably the biggest game on the biggest stage in the history of that franchise. I'm still having a hard time believing it, and I saw the whole thing play out. A 17-point halftime lead. They seriously went into the Bay as major dogs took a 17-point lead into halftime of the NFC Championship. Then they seriously wound up losing that same game. A game that according to ESPN... Detroit had a 91.5% win probability rate midway through the third quarter, and yet somehow still lost. 27 straight points for the other team will tend to do that. And maybe the very worst part for this, for the Lions, was that collapse was hugely self-inflicted. Now, let's be straight about this. Taking nothing away from the Niners, so be sure you chill out, Frisco fan. That's what you're supposedly so good at, right? Everything went your way, so just relax. Pass the duchy on the left-hand side. Pass the duchy on the left-hand side and chill. I don't want to hear from you today, all butthurt and bent, that your Niners aren't getting enough credit because everybody is too busy piling on the Lions. You'll get your credit, believe me. But there's a very good reason why everybody is going to spend today talking about the Lions. And that's because they had it. It was right there. The Detroit Lions were about to finally punch a Super Bowl ticket. They were about to get over the biggest hump in franchise history, only for them to take... The biggest dump in their pants in franchise history. I mean, I hate to do it to you, Lion fans, but you know it's true. And you guys thought that you were the experts in pain and suffering and agony. Little did you experts know that you had not seen anything yet. I mean, yes, it's true. Big picture. Detroit just had one of its best seasons ever. Except I don't think Lions fan wants to hear that right about now. It's really tough to appreciate that over the feeling of complete heartbreak and devastation. That's devastating. And here's something else that's devastating and heartbreaking to face up to. Dan Campbell really messed that game up. The guy's been amazing at his job. He's been the driving force of of a total identity shift for that franchise. He has been massive in getting them this far. And he's also a massive reason why they're not going any further. Not the only reason. I'm not saying that. Not the only reason, but a massive reason. Like, it's one thing to be aggressive. 
It's another thing to be reckless and borderline crazy. Borderline erotic. And it was reckless and borderline crazy to leave six points out there in the second half, especially since those six points would have, in the end, been enough to win that game. Detroit had the chance to make it a three-score game, and instead they turned it over on downs. Then they had a chance to tie that game, and they once again turned it over on downs. And it's pretty impossible to deny that those decisions didn't play an enormous part in this game flipping. And it's not just analytics either. It was biting kneecap-alytics. It was just Dan Cannibal being Dan Cannibal. It was just Dan Gamble being Dan Gamble. It was just the guy being aggressive and believing in his guys, as he explained afterwards, while basically on the verge of tears. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um I get that, but I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. Um, but, you know, we just, just didn't work out. Yeah, no, it did not work out. Hey, listen, Dan Campbell... Or Dan Cannibal is going to Dan Cannibal, and I respect that. The guy is who he is. He was not going to change for that game yesterday. But who he is did not help yesterday. Who he is got them to that point, but who he is also got them beat yesterday. Both things can be true, and both things are true. The two fourth down decisions and especially the first one, did completely change that game. I'm not saying everything flipped exclusively because of those decisions, but everything did change after that first fourth down miss, and it only got worse after that. It's not really the power of hindsight when you take crazy risks and they don't work out. That's just taking crazy risks and having them not work out. He could have taken three and pushed the lead to three scores, and nobody would have called that decision crazy if they wound up missing the field goal. You know why? Because that decision would not have been crazy. That's not hindsight. That's just common sense. But I want to be clear about something else, too. It's not all on Dan Campbell. It wasn't just a few coaching decisions that decided that game. Dan Campbell did not drop two critical passes. Dan Campbell did not fumble the ball on the first play of a drive. Dan Campbell did not take a potential interception off his face and then have that turn into a 50-yard play. That Ayuk play off the face was the real moment when it became clear to everybody that that game was going to slip away, that it was going to get away from Detroit. And I guess Frisco fan has a ladybug, of all things, to thank for that. Before the game, a ladybug landed on my shoe. And y'all know what that means. So that's all I can say, because other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Just great luck. God was with us today. Great win. Bang, bang, Niner game. It's crazy.
He's right. It was crazy. It was a great win and a catastrophic loss. And yes, it can be both those things too. It definitely was crazy. Crazy is definitely what I would call giving a ladybug credit for that insane play. A historic play. A play that will be shown for years. But I can't deny that it seemed like the Niners had some luck on their side yesterday. And they also had Brock Purdy. And man, is Big Clock Brock owed some bleeping credit right about now. And some bleeping apologies. People love to hate on this dude. And meanwhile, this dude just keeps doing one thing. And one thing only. Win, 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 win. win. This dude is a winning machine, and for a pretty obvious reason. He makes winning plays. The object of the game is to win. So what even is the debate right now? I am kind of lost. I mean, you want to argue about his physical talent, his physical prowess, or the fact that he's a game manager? Fine, go ahead. Go ahead, do you. But you're wasting your time with that. Most non-talented game managers that I know do not break NFC title games open with their legs like Brock did yesterday. Who saw 48 rushing yards from big clock Brock coming? Who saw Brock average more yards per carry than Lamar Jackson yesterday? And while I'm not going to say that Brock looks like Lamar while he's running, I will say that say that Brock's running was effective. And like everything else with that dude, that's all that matters in the end. It does not matter what it looks like. Only that you get it done. Even George Kittle was right to say that his running is more like, quote, scampering. Do it more. What are we doing? Just don't get hit. Like scramble, you know, maybe tuck the ball a little bit faster, but like he, he scampers. I think that's the best way to describe it. He's a, he scampers. Like you ever seen one of those little water dragons run across the water? Like, that's what I envision every time he's running with the football. And I just thought of that, too. That was not pre-planned. I'm pretty proud of myself for that. You should be, big dude. But like everything else with Brock, it doesn't matter how it looks, only that he gets it done. I mean, call it whatever the hell you want. It's effective. The same thing goes for that dude's entire game. Say what you want, but it works. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Talk about where he was drafted. It works. He wins. You can run your mouth all you want, but all Brock ever has to do is point and say scoreboard. People love to hate. Hate is the new dopamine. But in the end, Purdy is the quarterback who walked away from that game with a dub. 
And the Lions are the team that walked away knowing that they blew the opportunity of a lifetime. Seriously, Lions fan has been waiting a lifetime for that game. And the most painful part of blowing that game might be that there is no guarantee that they will ever get back there. Honestly, they really might have been. That might have been your one and only shot, Detroit. All right, I'm not looking to pile on. I'm not looking to be some hot take artist. That might have been your one and only shot. Even your coach admitted as much afterwards. Sometimes you can only say so much. You got to live it, unfortunately. You got to get your heart ripped out, which we did. And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys, this may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware. And it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's, that's the reality. He's exactly right, except for that part where getting your heart ripped out is a lesson learned because you really don't learn from getting your heart ripped out of your chest, right? You just die. You can't live without a heart. There is no coming back from getting your heart ripped out of your chest. There's just bleeding out. And Lions fan, I bet that's how that feels right about now. You're just lying there in a pool of your own blood with a hole where your heart used to be. And the pain is only getting worse and worse. I wish I could tell you that it will definitely get better. And you'll definitely be back. And next time you'll definitely win. But that would be a lie. And I would never lie to you. Not even after your beloved team took a giant dump in their pants in the biggest game that you've ever watched them play. Man, that was so painful. That was so painful. You know, as far as Campbell goes, yeah, I know. I know. This is what got them there. Except for one thing. What got them here did not get them there. So to me, either he adjusts his approach or you live with the results. And that approach absolutely did impact the outcome of their most important game ever. And the fact is, they may never get back. Do not assume... We're on our way. It's part of the process. You get your heart ripped out and you learn. Or you get your heart ripped out and you never get there ever again. And if it's going to be twice as hard to get there, then I'll see you in 120 years. Man, that hurt. That really hurt. And credit to the Niners for coming back, not panicking, making their plays capitalizing on the momentum. And yeah, they had some help. They definitely had some help. Telephone number is toll free, 1-800-636-8686. I'll tell you about the Ravens quickly. The Ravens picked a bad day to have a bad day. And how about those Chiefs? I'd even go as far as to say as the Ravens picked the worst day to have their worst day. And Lamar, Lamar's got no excuses. Lamar cannot show up and play like that on that day for a myriad of reasons, but he did. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app. Pick 6. Pick 6 is the newest way for you to get in on the fantasy football action with DraftKings. Just pick between 2 and 6 
pro football players and choose if they're going to have more or less of a stat. For example, will a player have more or less than 100 rushing yards or will a player have more than one touchdown? Track your lineup and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app right now and sign up with the code ROME, code ROME, R-O-M-E, only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Must be present in a state where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 is not available in all states including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. He is Shio Kapadia. Shio, great to have you back. What's going on? How are you? Doing well, Jim. Good to be on with you. Always good to talk to you, Shio. Thanks so much. So I said on the show last week, you would have to be an absolute idiot. Idiot not to bet Patrick Mahomes and take the points in a playoff game. So then, of course, that's exactly what I didn't do, and it bit me in the ass. I want to ask you, Shield, where did you come out on the on the Chiefs prior to the postseason? Did you see them going on this run? Uh, I did not, Jim. I'm in the same boat as you. In fact, I put my chest out a little bit about a month ago after that Christmas Day game against the Raiders, and I buried the Chiefs. Jim, I said they don't have it this year. They sabotaged Patrick Mahomes with this supporting cast, with these wide receivers, with these offensive tackles. Uh, they're going out uh, before the Super Bowl, mark it down, and they got to reassess this thing in the offseason. And now I got egg on my face, and I got to owe everybody an apology, everyone with the Kansas City Chiefs, because I come out looking stupid. And what I learned, Jim, is that this team can win in different ways than the previous versions of the Chiefs won. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has a knack to know what each specific team is calling for him to do. We saw him do that. And then, of course, the defense, they've still got Steve Spagnuolo. they still got that championship medal. And here they are. He's looking for Super Bowl number three uh, at age 28. Shio Kapadia joining us. So many good points right there. Shio, what about that Chiefs defense? Is the Chiefs defense that good or was Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense yesterday just that bad? Yeah, you know, it's always a little bit of both. They, they left plays on the field. There's no doubt about it. The, the Zay Flowers fumble, the Lamar Jackson interception, the Lamar Jackson fumble, uh, I thought his downfield accuracy was a little bit off. But, man, I got to give this Chiefs defense credit. I mean, Spags had Lamar's head spinning. I mean, if you look at how often, how many dropbacks Lamar Jackson was holding on to the football for three, four, five seconds with nowhere to go, they obviously had that Ravens offense uh, flustered quite a bit. And even that Zay Flowers fumble, I know he's coming under heat. Hey, don't reach the ball over the goal line. That's an all-time play by Legereus Sneed to get there and to punch that football out right before he crosses the goal line. So uh, I'll give the Chiefs offense a little bit, uh, a lot of credit, uh, quite frankly. But uh, I think you're right if you want to say, hey, Ravens left some plays on the field. There's no doubt about that. Sure, I think you're right. That was an all-time play, an all-time play. What do you make of them abandoning the Ravens, abandoning the run as early as they did? I mean, was that part of the game plan or was that a reaction and did they panic? I think they did panic a little bit. You know, their whole game, and I'm a big John Harbaugh fan. I think he's a great coach, but they felt a little too amped up for me. And, you know, even during the broadcast, they're saying, oh, you know, Ravens want to make sure Patrick Mahomes feels them 
in this game, but then they're committing dumb penalties over and over again. And I thought the biggest edge in the Ravens' favor going into this game, if you look at any statistic, uh, traditional, advanced, whatever, you go into this game thinking the Ravens should be able to gash the Kansas City Chiefs on the ground. I mean, we saw the Buffalo Bills do it in the divisional round, and quite frankly, the Ravens are a better run uh, run offense than the Buffalo Bills are, and I thought they did get away from that too too early. You know, Ravens defense really came back strong in the second half. Like that game was never really uh, away from them, and yet they didn't. They were not able to run the football. I didn't think they tried. They tried to run the football uh, enough. And so, listen, I, I'm new school. I generally say pass the football. That's how you win in the NFL. But there are specific matchups. There are specific times when the ground game can really help you. And as panicked as they were, I thought the run game really could have calmed them down a little bit, and they never really got to it. King Kerr, Shokabadi joining us. So where does that leave us with Lamar? For instance, Lamar drops to 2-4 and four in the postseason. He did not play well yesterday at all. He's about to win the MVP award for the second time, but does his lack of postseason success impact the way you view him? It has to a little bit, right? I mean, if he gets to the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden we're talking about a guy who's 27 years old, two MVPs, and is in the Super Bowl. But kind of until you get there, and I don't go overboard. I don't say, hey, the guy uh, stinks. He can't win in the playoffs, anything like that. Because a lot of times we've seen in NFL history, it takes time. I mean, Peyton Manning, other quarterbacks, it takes them six, seven years to get that Super Bowl ring. And so uh, I still believe in the guy. I believe in the talent. I actually thought this was not going to be their year. Going into the season, I thought, you know what, this is going to be a transition year with the new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, and then next year will be their year. But, man, the way it played out, it feels like a wasted opportunity because this was a fantastic defense. You had the defensive coordinator. You had a nice pass with home field advantage. This is not a juggernaut Chiefs team. You know, you didn't have to face Burrow or uh, Josh Allen or some of these other quarterbacks in the AFC. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think for all these guys, Lamar Jackson – uh, Josh Allen, you can even throw, you know, Justin Herbert hasn't done even what they've done. But these guys who you look at and you say, all right, they're talented. I believe they're really good. But until you kind of slay the dragon and that dragon is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, yeah, we have to put you on a tier uh, lower than that guy. All right, Shio. So what about the NFC? The Lions were in control of that game. They're up 24-7 at halftime. They even had a 91.5% probable win rate at one point in the second half. So did they lose that game or did the Niners win that game? Man, you know, I almost always give the winning team credit, and certainly the 49ers offense specifically in the second half. They don't punt in the second half of that game. They deserve credit. But if I'm a Lions fan, I cannot get over how how you let that game slip away. I mean, you came out on fire. You had the right game plan. You score right away. You're up 24-7 at halftime. And then you fall apart. And, you know, I don't think it was the Dan Campbell uh, fourth down decisions. I'm sure we can get to those. But, my gosh, Josh Reynolds drops the pass on fourth down. He drops another one on third down. Jameer Gibbs uh, fumbles. They have an interception. Hit them in the face and lead to a 51-yard completion. They botch a special teams play. I mean, I could go on and on there for probably another hour with specific plays that the Lions let slip away. And uh, I just feel like if you play that game out, uh, 10 times, you know, the way they play, uh, it feels like not all those mistakes are going to happen every time, and you're really going to have a good chance to win that football game. They were not outmanned. They were not overmatched. The moment, uh, you know, was not too big for them in the first half, 
And then in the second half, those mistakes just added up. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, if I'm a Lions fan, that's just going to be a tough, tough one to get over. Shio Kapadia joining us. Yeah, they were not outmanned. In fact, they were in control. So what about Dan Campbell? I mean, I understand that that's what got them there, but he failed on those two key fourth down go calls. Do you have an issue with either one or both of them? No, I, I liked both the calls, and I know people will yell at me, listen, you have to make decisions based on the information you have at the time. And everything from, we've seen the Lions do all season long, from their character, from their personality, from the data, from the analytics, from everything is aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. I mean, they've been so good in those situations all season long because they practice them, they prepare for them. I thought it was the right decision to go for both of them. I think one thing people forget, they do not have a good uh, kicker. I mean, their kicker, Michael Badgley, I think was around 50% for his career from between 45 and 50 yards. So that was not a gimme. Your defense, defense can't get a stop. I mean, if you can get that first down, keep the ball a little longer and punch it in for a touchdown, you have a much better chance to win the game. So uh, I actually like those decisions. Uh, at the time, uh, I think Dan Campbell was right after the game when he says he doesn't regret them. Now, Jim, I will kill him a little bit, uh, not a little bit, a lot. That last possession they have where they're running the football and calling timeout, you can't do that there. I mean, you are giving the game away there. The downside of running it is too high because we all know onside kicks do not work anymore in the NFL. So that's one I'll kill him on with the game management. The fourth down calls, uh, I think they were reasonable decisions, and I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I, I've got an issue with the fourth down calls, but I agree with you. I have no idea what they were thinking, running the ball down near the goal line with those timeouts and, and burning it like that. That makes no sense to me. Shio, I know it's really, really early, but I'm really curious about your really, really early lean in the Super Bowl because that's turning out to be a really fascinating matchup. I'm tired of losing on Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Right. I, mean, I mean, that's my initial reaction. That Listen, there, there are certain sides you take, and you can live with it or you can't live with it. I, I don't Even if I had all this data and looked at the X's and O's and talked to people and everything told me 49ers, I just don't know that I'm comfortable, again, going against Patrick Mahomes as an underdog in a big spot. He's proven me wrong over and over and over again. And so the line obviously suggests that this is a toss-up game. Uh, I think there are certainly matchups for the Chiefs with their run game against the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, for the 49ers with their run game against the Chiefs' run defense. But that 49ers' defense uh, has not been great. So I feel like Mahomes against that 49ers' defense, that ultimately will be what will uh, push me to take the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure, i got about 60 seconds. One last thought. For instance, it opened at plus 2.5 for the Chiefs. I'm kill- I hate myself for not smashing that right then and there. By the time we get to kick, what do you think that line's going to be? It's a great question. You know, it was 2.5, then it comes down uh, to 1. I-, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to keep ha- thinking what we're thinking and say, hammer the Chiefs as a dog, and does it flip? Does it cross zero? Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe it'll settle in there around uh, 49ers minus one, minus one and a half by, we get, by the time we get to game time. But it would not shock me if, if that did uh, flip and moved quite a bit between now and two weeks from now. Well, I think it will. I think it will. And then I think we have a really tough question, right? Like, I, I'm with you. I mean, I've learned my lesson. You do not bet against Patrick Mahomes and points. But, Shield, what if that number went all the way to three or three and a half the other way? Oh my God! If, if it got to three and a half, I, I or three, I would probably, uh, you know, I, I'd be tempted to take the Niners there because I do think it's an even matchup. And if uh, if it's a toss-up game, I generally take the points. If it gets that high, yeah, I would be tempted to take San Francisco there.
Agreed. He is a senior NFL writer for The Ringer, has a number of great, great podcasts. He is Shio Kapadia. Shio, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Great job as always. All right, Jim. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you, Shio. Well done. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Grand Rapids, Evan. Good to have you, Evan. How you feeling? Jim, I'm feeling pretty heated. I got to say I love your show. Thank you for taking my call. But one pride, more like one embarrassment. I mean, come on. I would say this is one of my most surprises, but it's not. How come there's been so many examples this year of the Lions looking like a complete, impressive, talented team going into the half with the lead And then they come out of the locker room, they drink their Kool-Aid, and then they take a crap in their pants. It's almost like Dan Campbell in the locker room said, oh, you know what, I think we might have bit off for too much kneecap. We might want to give them back something. That's all. My man, I appreciate you. Rack him, too. Lions fans in defeat, coming with the content. You know what, we might have bitten off too much kneecap. Let's give some of it back. And the elbow. Let's keep it in the D. Paul in Detroit. Hey, Paul. What's going on? How are you? Good, Jim. Wow, first time caller. Well, it's good to have you, man. What's up? Good to have you, yeah. Uh, so we have a saying here. It was uh, SOL, same old Lions. And uh, we thought we buried that this year. And, uh, man, this is this is a rough feeling. I don't uh, I don't know what to think, but... As for Dan Campbell, we, you know, he's an amazing coach, great coach, but I feel like he can also be the worst coach at times. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a rough day for everybody here. You know, anybody, and I want to say anybody that thinks that this season is a success, you're a loser. Like, literally, we had that game wrapped up, and, you know, there's just some things you can't let go of. And, it's going to be a tough day for people here. I've never, I was always a Lions fan, not super diehard, but, you know, it's going to be really tough facing people for the next couple of weeks here. But anyway, Jim, I really appreciate you taking my call. Go roll, man. Take it easy, man. My I'm man, out. I appreciate you making the phone call. Here's my reaction to that phone call. If you're not, I mean, you could hear it in his voice. Indianapolis. Rodney, you are first up. Rodney, what's going on? How are you? Great, Jim. I've been listening to your show since the mid-90s. I have never called in till now. I've been a longtime Lions fan pretty much my whole life. Life is no stuckier than right now. Halftime, texting all my friends, Super Bowl party at my house, bring beer, bring wings. We're going to do it. Then Kenny Rogers, the gambler, crazy like Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon, two field goals, We win, Jim. No regrets. Tell that to Detroit. I get no party, and I got two weeks of Niner fans and a frickin' Swifty Bowl. I am pissed, Jim. I need to scream. Ah! I'm out!
My man, rack him. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Rack him. Now, Lions fan, you of all people should know not to be planning a Super Bowl party at halftime. Let's go to Sacramento. Ron in Sacramento. Hey, Ron, what's up? How are you? What's going on, Jim? Hey, listen, we just uh, want to appreciate the fact that you sent us our engraved invitation to call in. Good looking out. Um, we were despondent at halftime. That was we, we, we were starting to go through the stages of grief. We thought it was over. I watched the game with a bunch of Niner haters who were cheering every time we screwed up, and we gave them lots to cheer for. But just like the city of Detroit, at one point they're great, and then the next point they're a bunch of tr- uh, houses with trees growing through the middle of them. So we made our comeback. We did what we needed to do. Brock showed that he really wanted to win. He's diving headfirst into tacklers to make sure he gets every extra yard. So that was awesome. I saw a lot that I liked. Yeah, Brock has some limitations, but he did what he had to do. And so now we get this great rematch with uh, Pat Mahomes. And uh, Squidward is great, but I hate him, and I really hope we can beat him. As far as Amber calling us insufferable, she's from Portlandia. It's not like people from Portland are world-renowned for being awesome. War uh, the Niners getting our rematch. War Amber putting on a blue suit and uh, doing a dance in the next Jan commercial. I'm out, Jim. Oh, dude. Come on, man. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Not a very good car. So that dude did. He said everything he wanted to say. Got it all in. And then at the very last second knew that would get him run. But only after he said what he had to say. Come on now. A sucker punch and a hang up on the phone. That's a cheap shot, dude. And there's a ban on that sort of thing. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery for free. If your battery needs to be replaced, our professional parts people can help you find the right super start battery for your vehicle and budget. Don't wait. Get your battery tested for free today at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Will in Baltimore. Good to have you, Will. How you doing? Right on time, Jim. You right on time with it, man. Everything. That 1710 wasn't even 1710. It felt like it was never any doubt. It was JV versus varsity. They came in at our place, our physical us on both sides of the ball. The coaching was ahead of the game. Mike McDonald got his stuff together, though. He's a great young coach. So the defense got they start they didn't give up any points in the second half. But um right on point with Lamar, man. I don't know if he can ever do it. Before in nineteen, he was like all, you know, happy, skipping around, smiles, giggles. This year he was locked in. He's wound up so tight in the biggest game, and it, it just shows. You can't lose your composure and throw your helmet. Every mistake that's made, every penalty that's made, we were, they were um, taunting us, and we were getting the penalty. It was just like outclassed all the way around. And this, this one really hurt. I, on the way home from uh, my daughter's had a party, and um, it was like 15 different accidents out there last night. This one stings more than anyone ever any loss ever um, during the, you know, the years being here in Baltimore. 
My brother, you nailed it. You nailed it. I think you're 100% right. I agree with everything you just said. Will in Baltimore, rack him. I agree with everything he just said. He nailed it. Way to save your worst game for last, Baltimore. Way to take a shot at Mahomes on your home field and then go out there and just set the whole thing on fire. And Lamar, way to take one of the all-time prove-everybody-wrong seasons, shut everybody up, and flush it right down the toilet with the ultimate prove-everybody's-right performance. Like, I know Lions fan was the actual biggest loser of the day yesterday. I mean, what a gut punch that was. But did anybody on either field lose more than Lamar Jackson? Because this dude was just about to put a bow on one of the all-time statement seasons. But you could take that presumed MVP award and his supposed revenge on all the teams that announced that they did not want him last offseason and just cancel all of that out. Because unfortunately for Lamar, nobody is going to remember or think about any of that stuff when they think about his season. They're only going to remember the utter nightmare in the AFC Championship, a.k.a. the performance that validated everything every hater has ever said about this guy. And Lamar had it all right there. It was all right in front of him. He had a chance to go to the Super Bowl on his own turf and do so by knocking out the defending champs and the best quarterback on the planet. A chance to prove once and for all that no moment is too big. A chance to finally shut everybody up. Except that, as it turns out, the moment absolutely was too big. And the dude got outclassed by Mahomes, and he got utterly dominated by Spags and a Chiefs defense that doesn't get nearly the love that it should. People have been sleeping on Spags in that defense all season long. And yesterday, Spags and his defense were actually the ones who made their point. Point being, they're no joke. In fact, they're actually pretty scary. But they also got some help yesterday because the Ravens were a mess. Baltimore could not run it at all. At all. But even worse, they really didn't even try. What the hell were they doing abandoning the run so early in that game? They fall behind a touchdown? They panic? And then they forget about the run altogether? And then to try, to take, try and take it to the air only made it worse. Much worse. When they finally made a big play, they managed to immediately ruin that too. Case in point, that utterly catastrophic Zay Flowers sequence at the end of the third quarter. Now, this guy's been great this year. I mean, great. He finally makes a big play for 54 yards down to the Chiefs' 10. All right? They're in business. They're back in it. But then he takes a flag for a really bizarre taunt on Legereus Sneed. Now, normally, I am not a guy who's a taunting stickler. In fact, I'm usually a taunting encourager. I like taunting. Who doesn't like taunting other than old man Mara? Taunting is the best. Taunting flags are the worst. Taunting is the best. Taunting flags are the worst. Actually, it's a terrible take, John, because everybody wants to see it. Everybody except you. But having said that, even I think that Flowers deserve that flag. 
when you take a dude and you shove his shoulder into the ground after the play in the open field right in front of everybody, and then you get up and you stand over that dude, then yes, that's a taunt. And it's going to get you flagged. That's called a taunt. It's also called something else. Idiotic. You're losing. Nothing is going right. What are you doing standing over anybody in that situation? What are you doing standing over some dude in that situation when nothing's going right? Taunting a dude for what? Making one play with your team still on the verge of taking the biggest dump in his pants ever. That made that taunting penalty one of the dumbest things ever. Call the rule dumb all you want, and I have, but it is a rule, and until it's not a rule, don't put the refs in a position where they've got no choice but to call it. Not only did that hurt you then, of course it came back to bite you in the ass only moments later because Sneed, the guy who you just taunted, turned around and got the sweetest, fastest, harshest revenge ever. This might be the all-time example of instant karma. Dude gets taunted on the Ravens' one big play of the game, their only big play of the game. And then he turns around four plays later, and he makes one of the best defensive plays in playoff history, for real. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers. He dives. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? I think you're right. Hell yes, it did. Because that was an all-time play. An incredible play. And only moments after an all-time moronic taunt by a really good young player. I mean, incredible, borderline, miraculous play that was borderline erotic, I'm sure, for Chiefs fan. And borderline stroke-inducing for Ravens fan. What an amazing play by a dude who doesn't get nearly enough run. One of the best corners in football, Legereus Sneed. And what an incredibly bad play by a dude who does get a lot of run, and deservedly so, at least until yesterday, Zay Flowers. But Lamar somehow topped that terrible fumble on that following drive with an even worse INT. And those two plays were the difference in the game in the end. Which is pretty wild considering the Ravens were mostly terrible all day long. But still, they could have walked away with a dub. Or at least a chance at a dub if they executed near the end zone at the end of the game. Unfortunately, they couldn't do that either. In the end, they turned it over three times. And the Ravens are 0-8 in the postseason when they commit three or more turnovers. And if there's something else that Lamar is elite at, it's turning it over when it matters most. So it's back to the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. Their supposed demise was total bullcrap. They weren't vulnerable. They weren't weak. They weren't washed. They were just waiting for the bright lights to come on. And as always, they handle those bright lights better than anybody else. And they've got the best quarterback in the sport still. They've got the best coach in the sport still. And that really, really helps. And if one thing is very clear from that game yesterday, it's that as good as they are, as good as they are, Lamar and John Harbaugh simply are not Mahomes 
in Andrew Ryad. Mahomes? One more thing is clear. The Chiefs don't need Kadarius Toney, which is why it's pretty wild that he's on IG Live going viral, or was on IG Live, but that went viral this morning. In IG Live where he claims the Chiefs made up an injury that kept him inactive yesterday. But yeah, man, that cap. I'm not hurt. None of that Say that Suck my too. I'm God. Not hurt. None of that. Wow, dude. Hey, Kay, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody wants to hear that from you or anything from you. Just like nobody wants to see you on the field. Except whoever is playing the Chiefs, they want you on the field. Because you are essentially another player for the defense when you're out there. And crazily enough, the rest of the receivers actually started to catch the ball once you did get yanked out of the lineup. Which is one of many reasons why the Chiefs don't want you out there. And it's impossible to blame them, right? This is no big mystery. There is no conspiracy here. They don't want you playing because you're a disaster. And that's also the reason nobody wants to hear your nonsense. My man, look at the scoreboard. You weren't there, and they won. I know you're going to be shocked to hear this, Kadarius, but it's not about you. In fact, it actually has very little to do with you. Pretty much nothing to do with you. This is not about you. This is about one of the greatest quarterbacks and one of the greatest head coach QB combos ever going for back-to-back Super Bowls, something that hasn't happened since the early 2000s. It's about Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs that actually help Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And luckily for the Chiefs and Chiefs Kingdom, right now that's almost everybody on the roster not named you. And be more. Sorry about it. Sorry about all that swag and cockiness that you had going in and you were cracked by halftime. All of that swag. Hey, and by the way, how weird was that thing before the game? With Kelsey, Mahomes, and Tucker having that little tussle and exchanging words in the end zone. That didn't benefit Baltimore. Right then and there, things seemed weird. Things seemed weird. But you had all that swag. You had all that cockiness. And then it all just cracked by halftime. However, nothing cracked worse than that one ref's voice. Defense. Holding offense number 76. 10-yard penalty, second down. Having been there before, I'm not going to pile on. Except Zay Flowers standing over Legereus Sneed was as tragic as that ref's voice announcing the penalty. At the end of the play, Tawny, offense number four. First and 10. Yeah, you saw it. Hey, Mr. Ref, I'm not sure who you are, but I've been there before. I know what that's like. Credit for staying in the fight. Office number four. Office number four. Office number 76. Hey, if somebody's got to use a voice for their living, I know what it's like to wake up saying, uh-oh. Today is not the day to be sounding like this. I guarantee that ref felt that same way. Unless somehow, unless somehow he lost it 
on the way to the field. Offense number 76. <laughs> Offense number 76. Offense number four. Save your Peter Brady takes. I don't need him. <laughs> 